Hi everyone, Jason here. On May the 14th, Stephen and myself will be appearing with the one and only Mark Lewison at the Pavilion Theatre in Dunleary, Dublin. We're going to be celebrating 60 years of a hard day's night and we would love you to join us. For tickets, go to paviliontheatre.ie or nothingisrealpod.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Welcome to Nothing Is Real, a podcast about the Beatles. Everybody thinks they know the Beatles, but how much do we really know? My name is Jason Carty. My name is Stephen Cockcroft. And we are live on tape from Dublin. This week, uh, we are going to talk about compilations, a kind of best of the best of the Beatles. We're going to look at how the Beatles have been compiled and collected over the years, um, what circumstances have led to these albums uh, being released. And for many of us, you know, Beatles compilation is the thing that starts all this madness in the first place. And uh, for that reason alone, they maintain an important place in our hearts. Was your first Beatles album a compilation, Stephen? My first Beatles album was a compilation, and I think it's the first one we're going to talk about, which was uh, a collection of Beatles oldies. Yes. Um, So... I think I might have been 10 or 11, so I won't give you the year. Uh, (laughs) But uh, I remember persuading my my mother to buy me an album, and it had a lovely garish kind of Carnaby Street style cover, so that was the one that appealed to me. Um, So So that that, that was my starting point. And that is, yeah, as you rightfully say, that's kind of the first Beatles Greatest Hits compilation, and it comes out in December 1966, and it's there to fill the first Beatles Christmas uh, since <laughs> 1962. Yeah. So 63, 64, 65 have had albums and singles. And then suddenly in 66, everyone thinks, oh, my God, the Beatles might be coming to an end. Yeah. So they, so they, they weren't going to play. There was going to be no new product for yeah. Christmas. There wasn't going to be an album. There wasn't going to be a Christmas single. And they weren't playing Christmas concerts, which had been a, a staple, kind of a staple yeah. up, to, up to this point. Uh, so Epstein had to go and say to the record company, that's it. No no, no, no product for Christmas. And it's not an unreasonable thing that people might have thought because 66, they only released one album, Revolver, plus one of their singles, 16 new songs in a year, which is very little for the Beatles. So yeah, they, I mean, the they, they, thing it appears. was a huge kind of slacking off for yeah. them. For them. <laughs> yeah. So lazy. So lazy. Um, but in reality, the Beatles had spent the end of 66 kind of doing their own thing for a couple of months and then regrouping at the end of November 66 to start the Sgt. Pepper process. But this album comes out as uh, the first Beatles greatest hits, a collection of Beatles oldies open brackets but goldies close Ah, brackets those are the days (laughs) and uh, as you said it has got a very striking cover which Epstein commissioned which was done by David Christian and it's kind of a a very good snapshot of that 1966 Carnaby Street chic captures the vibe Yes, and it kind of precursor, it's, it predates the, the Yellow Submarine graphics, but it kind of gives you an idea of where that cartoon is coming from. Yes, you know? and, and, and uh, 
Are we going to talk about the Paul is dead rumor? Is there a Paul is dead rumor attached? Not to at this album? stage, but yes, yes. Okay, go on. So one of the one of the clues is on the cover of the album. Yes. Uh, so the guy who's sort of reclining on the album is supposedly the one that looks most like Paul. Okay. Um, and if you see, there's a car. Yes. Driving, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. driving up towards him. Uh, so that's the car in which he was. He, he deaded. Was, he was deaded. Um, <laughs> there are four other. There are other Beatles uh, kind of looking on. And yeah. uh, if you flip the the album to the to, to the the rear sleeve shot, uh, which was taken in in Japan, I think uh, McCartney is dressed in black and is apart from sitting apart from the other three. So with hindsight, well, geez, now that you put it that way, Steve. Yeah, it's it's undeniable. So with hindsight, obvious. hindsight, mm. uh, the clues were all there. <laughs> anyway, I digress. It's a, it's a good album, a collection of Beatles oldies. It's sixteen tracks. Thirteen of them are singles. Yep. Seven of them had been standalone singles, not available anywhere else. Plus a bonus, previously unreleased in the UK, track "Bad Boy." And you know, it, it comes out hot on the heels of "Revolver," which only kind of hit the shops in August. Uh, and it, it is a little bit interesting or a little bit jarring that, you know, you start to hear that breakaway of later Beatles when the revolver material is kind of rubbing up against mm. the older stuff yeah. on the compilation. You know, but it is a good compilation. It is. And, and uh, I say it was my introduction. And I think uh, if, if you wanted a, a summation of those early, that, yeah. that, that early Beatlemania, and it's a perfect, with, again, with hindsight, it's a perfect end point. Yes. Um, because next year, suddenly it's Strawberry Fields, Sgt. Pepper. Well, it's like a mini version of the, the Red 62 mm. to 66 yeah. compilation. Yeah. It kind of it, it, it ends at that exact same spot. Uh, so it, it does kind of work as a reduced version of the Red album. You know, could there be a collection of Beatles oldies from 1970, a single 16 track mm. compilation from 67 to 70? No, no. I, think, <laughs> uh, I think I think that's harder to do. Yeah. But, uh, but it's interesting because, you know, part of what's interesting when we, we map out these compilations is how they kind of reflect the the pop culture at the time. So it's it's kind of amusing to us now that they call these Beatle oldies. Yeah. Um, that these songs are, you know, only two or three years old at a push and yet they're still referred to as oldies. But that's how, particularly UK radio, and a golden oldie was something that was about two years old yeah. at the time. Yeah, yeah. And that songs didn't have this, you know, people just assumed that great pop music was coming all the time and that the new stuff was the good stuff. And rock and roll was only just over a decade old. There was no reason to assume otherwise. And if you, I mean, if you listen to the, the early tracks on this, and as you say, it's, it's sort of Yellow Submarine, Paperback Writer, you, you, you can hear the sound yeah. change. Uh, you could. It's a very good example of that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, paper, paperback writer Eleanor Rigby, yeah, m- the, months old. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so it's 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 an interesting compilation. Comes out in December '66. Does not come out in the US because the US has put lots of singles onto albums anyway. So the the collection of Beatles oldies serves a, a function of getting yeah. the singles back onto one long player that people can buy. But it is a, a, a record that stays in print for essentially 21 years. It's only when the CDs come out that it finally drops out of print. Is that not true? I don't think that's true. OK, correct me. <laughs> that's, what, that's what you're here for. Um, I think there, there, there was a, a, a collection of uh, albums came out uh, in, in the late 70s, mm-hmm. um, which was supposedly, yeah, sec, yeah, and uh, they dropped um, oh, is that when it all dropped? So I think they dropped all these from that uh, uh, LP box okay. uh, in, the, in the late 70s. Now, th- when we go through all these um, 
uh, greatest hits albums, there's all these kind of different kind of mixes and uh, slightly different versions. And I, we're not going to get bogged down in becoming like an an, an, an aural Wikipedia for these no. facts. But there's some first stereo mixes that get done for a collection of Beatles oldies and uh, any ones that need to be mentioned or should we just let people figure that out themselves? Um, it, it's it's difficult to, uh, I always find it difficult to hear the differences yeah. in kind of fake stereo mixes yes. and, and they were working with such basic two-track mm. um, technology. There is uh, the story about Bad Boy, which is the, uh, the bonus, the, the bonus track, track, track that had been recorded and, 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 and not released in the UK. And, and that um, was a track that was recorded in 65 yeah, in the Help album session. That's it. And it got put onto a Capital US album. That's it. Capital um, uh, so, Beatles 6 in the US. So EMI in the UK were saying, we've got to put a new track yeah. or a, an otherwise unavailable track on here. This will make people buy the album. Yeah. Um, so the remixing sessions, George Martin did some of them, uh, but he found that a very tedious process, I think, and he farmed it out. Uh, the Beatles weren't present at all. And at one point... The, uh, the people who were doing this misread the instruction oh, yeah. and prepared a stereo mix of this boy oh, right. instead of bad boy. Ah. And when the mistake was realized, it was too late okay. to go back. So they, they just used the original mix of bad boy. So that's, oh. my, that's my interesting anecdote about... Uh, well, I think uh, that stereo mix of this boy pops up a little later on. So we'll come back to that in a second. I mean, essentially, a collection of Beatles oldies is almost the only Beatles compilation that comes out during their lifetime. Um, one that kind of sneaks in, uh, well, technically possibly still in their lifetime, is the next one we're going to talk about, which is the US Hey Jude compilation, which um, comes out at the start of 1970. And it's mm-hmm. originally called uh, The Beatles Again. Beatles Again, yeah. And that comes about because of Alan Klein. Yes, so the, the, the context is Klein is now in as manager and uh, he's looking to maximise revenue. He's uh, in the middle of contract negotiations uh, with well, the, the record label. They've done this contract in September 69 mm. where they've revised the terms of their 67 contract and this gives them a huge increase in royalty. So there's a desire to release more records, isn't that right? Yeah. And it gives them control over how they are compiled. So. US Capital had been compiling records as they saw fit but now the Beatles had control so Klein decides well if I can compile an album and if I can get a higher royalty then let's make this thing called Hey Jude isn't that kind of roughly it? More, more or less. I think that's that's it. So he he sets about. Uh, it's Alan Steckler, I think, from Abco. Yes. is is given the task of uh, basically going through the the American catalog, saying what hasn't been released or what's available, what they can compile. Yeah. So what's it's still floating around. What's, as a single. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a little bit of a a mixed bag in terms of the era and the running order yeah. and, and and the sound quality. Um, but it, it and it doesn't even round up everything. No, you know there are things that they could have gone with that they opted not to go with. So. I mean, I'm not sure of why it exists aside from being a, a cash grab. Really, yeah. I mean, it, it opens. It's it's barely over half an hour long. It opens with "Can't Buy Me Love" and "I Should Have Known Better," which seemed antiquated by that yep. stage in yep. 1970. Yep. But they technically hadn't been on a Capitol album before because "A Hard Day's Night" had come out on. Uh, United Artists in America and then it kind of jumps forward into Paperback Writer Rain Lady Madonna Revolution Hey Jude Old Brown Shoe Don't Let Me Down and The Ballad of John and Yoko so it kind of just collects latter day singles I, I, I've i actually never owned a copy of Hey Jude oh 
Yeah. Well, oh. what's the, uh, why, why, what's the point? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's interesting is uh, it does have uh, some great pictures on the cover from their last photo session, their last day together on the 22nd of August, uh, 1969. And uh, it comes out on the 26th of February, 1970. It is a US release. And, you know, technically it's still within the lifetime of the group, even though they finished yep. working together. Let it be. The movie, the single and the album haven't yet come out. Um, so there's still Beatle product coming through the pipeline. It hits number two in the US. It sells two million in 1970 in the US. And uh, you know it doesn't feature any of the get back stuff that's floating around because there's still a plan for that yeah. to come out. So it's, you know, it's a pretty solid, successful. It does what it tended to do, which was sell a lot of copies and make a lot of money. Uh, you know, for years, you know, when I'd see that album, I never noticed the little picture above the above door. Above the door. Yeah. May, no, and maybe no. if there's anybody out there who has never noticed the picture of the Beatles above <laughs> the door <laughs> before, maybe that's because I I didn't own it. Um, maybe if I don't. You should, you should go and buy a copy. <sighs> yeah. there, there are different versions. It was available as an import. Yes. Uh, there's a Spanish version of this album okay uh, which omits Ballad of John and Yoko oh for, for, for religious reasons for, for religious reasons okay um, I think the, uh, the 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 eight track or the reel to reel version yeah. would it be uh, flips the running order okay. so side two becomes side side one and it leads off with Hey yeah. Jude um, so there's little kind of variations you don't have to collect them all you can just <laughs> pick, pick one and buy that's one that's your job so yeah that's the Hey Jude album which is kind of a, a US compilation and a bit of a, an unusual thing um, but then the Beatles become a, a an ex band yeah. and uh, you know something that I always find interesting um, about the Beatles in the 70s is that you know they think they've left the Beatles and they've left it all behind but the Beatles uh, leads the way in how a band that doesn't exist exists yeah. in the 70s and how they how we start to learn how to put together popular culture and repackage it and, and the next compilation we're going to talk about is an unofficial compilation that a lot of people might not have heard of before which is a thing called Alpha Omega the Beatles Alpha Omega um, and I didn't learn about this until reasonably recently it's a, it's a bit of an odd one isn't it it is and I mean I've, I've never seen a copy yeah, uh, of it. I've, I've never heard a copy by all accounts it's, it's pretty ropey yeah. um, pressing sound production but essentially it was four LPs it's yeah. also available on eight track yeah um, and it's totally illegal and it's, it's a bootleg it, it's, it's, a, it's a bootleg yeah. but it was uh, you know it was marketed on television yes. in, in America uh, so it was a, it, it, it sold it was uh you know, if anybody out there has one, <laughs> I, I'd be very interested to see it. Well, it's a very odd thing. It's it's as it essentially it's a legal an illegal uh, four record Beatles greatest hits that come out came out in 1972 by uh, a company based in New Jersey called Audio Tape Incorporated, and it's 60 songs, including a handful of solo singles like Bangladesh, Uncle Albert, and Imagine. And it's a very odd choice. If I was given the task of putting together four LPs of the best of the Beatles. Um, well, I wouldn't open it with the track that opens Alpha Omega, which is... Act Naturally. Act Naturally. And the reason it opens with Act Naturally is that they sort of... All the 60 tracks are in alphabetical order, except they're not, but they kind there's of are. A, there's a couple out of order, but essentially, yeah, Act which Naturally is the, uh, maybe is, that's the, is the obvious place to start. <laughs> when you think of the best of the Beatles, you think of that sort of... Act Naturally. Yeah, and it's so... But what, what's interesting about Alpha Omega and why it's worth talking about it is that... Uh, 
as I understand it, it, it operated in this kind of loophole of law. So you, you might understand this a little bit better, that there's a difference between federal, which is kind of US, the whole national copyright mm. law, and local state law, that there was this kind of gap where they were trying to squeeze out yeah. these releases. Yeah. Is that right? I think that's, I think that's it. It, it, it. It's a kind of grey area. Didn't stop capital, you know, coming after them. Yeah. Um, but uh, because essentially what they had done uh, was simply take dubs or copies straight from Capitol yeah. albums. Which were already remixed copies of yes, tapes of, from of, the UK. Yeah. So, so copies of copies of copies. Copies of copies of copies. So the sound uh, production was really poor. Plus, as you say, arbitrarily they had thrown on a couple of uh, solo yeah. uh, uh, singles as well. So, I mean, it was clearly illegal. Mm-hmm. Um, my sense was uh, of it is, you know, they thought, well, w- while the going is good, yeah. uh, we we'll get our $13, $14 for this and uh, uh, before capital really mobilized. Yeah. And it was advertised on TV at thirteen ninety five, and there were somewhat unofficial <coughs> second volumes with another four LPs and various different tracks. It kind of gets a bit fractured because it's, it's totally illegal. There are people pretending to be other agencies releasing these albums and all the rest and you know there's good songs on it but it doesn't really uh, I think what it kind of does is it kind of shakes up the cobwebs of what's happening with Alan Klein and Apple to realise one we need to shut this down and two actually we need to do this ourselves there's a market yes Um, I don't know how well this this sold yeah, um, you know, you know, we can't tell. We, really. we, we can't really tell because it's unofficial. But yeah. uh, but clearly, one of the one of the uh, consequences was that that uh, Capital or Alan Klein, I think, specifically thought, okay, Let's there, there's do. a market for this. And in the, the they said that some of the Beatles had done fifteen million dollars worth of business since the split, or something like yeah. that. Isn't that right? They're, like in the court documents, where they try and shut this down, and they do eventually succeed in shutting it down. Yeah. And so this kind of begats us the, the, you know, probably the most famous Beatle compilations, which are the Red and Blue albums, the double albums, uh, Red 1962 to 1966 and Blue 1967 to 1970, which, um, you know, are still formally in the Beatles canon. They haven't gone away. No, and I think that's that, that's very interesting that whenever they did the remasters, yes. uh, that they, they then reissued uh, these two albums. So th- yeah. these are very much official canon. Yeah. And they, they these come out the following year after Alpha Omega. They come out on the 2nd of April 1973, both of them. And, and generally, we, from what we know, Alan Klein compiled them, maybe with a bit of input from George. Yeah, I think, well, m- my understanding is that Klein uh, uh, w- was the prime mover here, but that there was input from George and input from John. Okay. Um, and I've read interviews with... with uh, Lennon, where he talks about, you know, he made sure that certain songs were included. He made mm-hmm. sure that the packaging was uh, was well done. Yeah. Um, this is, I think, in the context of future uh, ones that we'll come on to talk about, where perhaps the record label Capital EMI spent less attention on yes. packaging. So Lennon was very uh, uh, vocal at that stage that, you know, these two albums were how it should be done. and yeah. that He had input there. Um, at one point, he talks about, you know, he made sure that they, they used photographs that, and he refers to Linda McCartney mm-hmm. having taken the photographs, but I think that's not right, not right um, you know, for the internal yeah. uh, gatefold. Um, but yeah, these, these are probably, for my money, the best compilations. Yeah, and it, it kind of has, the, you know, that, that thing of, um, you yeah, the Beatles were, did things decently, they did things well. Yeah. And this is a well-done version of Greatest Hits. And it's inter- if you place in context mm. uh, where 
the Beatles individually were in this time, in this kind of 72, 73. Yes. Um, as you said earlier, there was no real template for what do you do with a band that has yeah. folded. Yeah. Um, so there was, I think, definitely uh, Harrison and Lennon would have had an idea or uh, one eye on the legacy. Mm-hmm. Klein, I think, was interested in the money. Yes. His contract was coming to an end. Um, interestingly, when his contract was coming to an end with the Stones, mm-hmm. he did the same thing. He went yeah. with that Hot Rocks right, right. compilation, yeah. which is a superb yeah. uh, compilation. Uh, you know, more Hot Rocks was the, the, the follow-up. But So this, I think, was the end of his contract. So he mm. obviously had a financial uh, motivation. Um, the Beatles, probably solo Beatles, my, for my money, 73 is probably the peak. You know, you've got the Ringo mm. album, the Living the Material World, Mind Games, McCartney's got Red Rose Speedway, Band on the Run is just about to come. Yeah. Um, so it's, at, at that point, I suppose there was maybe a risk mm-hmm. that the Beatles as the Beatles mm. w- was sort of fading slightly into history. All four were e- extremely successful yeah, at this yeah. point. You know, John, a little bit of a blip with sometime in New York City, but but they were being commercially very successful. And then suddenly uh, th- these two fantastic compilations drop. Yeah. And for my money, this is what cements. This is this is the springboard yeah. for the longevity of the, the yes. Beatles. Yeah. And it's 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 as we said, you know, it, it's possibly, I think, the greatest contribution Klein made to Beatles history. It's certainly it's certainly yeah. it's he's often credited with, you know, the money and the business and, you know, squeezing Paul out and all the rest. But there's an artistic aesthetic to these compilations that fits within their legacy and has sta- stood the test of time in a way. Uh, as you said, the cover is um, uh, I, I don't know whether that get back picture, that picture of them looking over the balcony mm-hmm. from 1969. I'm not sure how well known that picture was by the time these albums came out in 1973. I'm wondering, would that picture have taken people by surprise? I don't know that it would have been. There were some get back bootlegs with the picture before. But yeah, but I, I don't think that picture would have been widely yeah. distributed before that point. And uh, the man who designed the cover and that kind of very distinctive lettering is a, a chap called Tom Wilkes, who also did the lettering on the front of Neil Young's Harvest. Mm-hmm. He also designed All Things Must Pass and the original uh, concert for Bangladesh um, uh, concert album release. He also uh, designed the worst album cover ever, which is Oreo Speedwagons. You can tune a piano, but you can't tune a fish, which is a terrible. <laughs> he t- didn't He didn't have much to work with there. <laughs> no, that's true. I mean, the uh, it's it's not his fault, probably. Um there's, you know, they're, they're not perfect compilations. Uh, 62 to 66 is 26 tracks long and 62 minutes. And 67 to 70 is much longer. It's 99 minutes and 28 tracks. But I think the split at that point in time is obviously the right split to make between think, 66 and 67. I think so. The, 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 the one thing that has always, always surprised me is the lack of tracks from Revolver. Yeah, there's only two proper Revolver tracks and there's six songs from Rubber Soul, mm. yeah, including uh, everyone's favourite Michelle. Yes. And Girl, which I think would be the two I'd remove, and I'd stick on two uh, revolver tracks instead to make it totally perfect. But Yeah, you know. yeah a couple more George tracks would be, <laughs> wouldn't go amiss. Well, I wouldn't, yeah. A George tra- a Taxman would be absolutely yeah. uh, superb to fit on there. From No, a, it, it, I mean, it does seem odd to me that, that that's, I, I don't know whether, you know, if this was an intention that Revolver was the big seller, that you don't yeah. want to compromise sales of Revolver. I mean, it seems very odd. You know, you've got you've got plenty of Sgt. Pepper on there. Well, but it uh, just seems very underrepresented. This is still the era, though, of Sgt. Pepper's the greatest album of yeah. all time. Sgt. Pepper's the one. Revolver doesn't uh, become 
Revolver turns into a different thing, I think, in the 80s and 90s. Than but if you, were, if you were just looking at these two compilations, yeah. you say you've got a lot of tracks from Rubber Soul, you've got a lot of tracks from yes, Sgt. Yes, Pepper. Yeah, why not Revolver? Why not, why not Revolver? And um, so it's also an album that casts a long shadow. So there's just innumerable people mm. who say, oh, my parents had this in the car, my parents had this in the house. Yeah. I remember visiting people's, you know, as a kid in the 80s, and it would invariably be an album that would be just in people's houses yeah. all the time. It, it kind of sticks out. And there had been an original notion of maybe putting the solo songs onto the second volume, or maybe some people have talked about this green volume where there might be solo songs. I, th- I think that's an interesting thing, is because uh, certainly for the Apple years, yeah. um, you know, they must own the mm. rights to those songs. That was their own label. They were yeah. all signed to, to EMI at that point. So uh, a double compilation of the best of 1970 to 1975 yeah. solo Beatles. I think that would be worth having. Yeah, but obviously there's a lot of people who wouldn't want to, to plug into that. So these these are kind of definitive, um, you know, compilations that come out and that are still with us and that are still known. And we'll, we'll, we'll mention them a little bit later on. But then we kind of get into this, what I would call the wilderness years of compilations. Mm. And, you know, we can kind of look at these maybe as a group but essentially, as I understand it, what happens in 1976 is that the Beatles nine year contract from 67 runs out yeah. and EMI get back control to put out Beatles records however they see fit. They can do whatever they want. And there's lots of um, career overview boxes and singles boxes and all these kind of things that we might talk about another day. But they also start issuing these kind of ragtag compilation yeah. albums. And the first one that comes out is in uh, is in June 1976. And that's one called Rock and Roll Music. And this kind of irked the Beatles in person, like Ringo and Lennon gave out about the cover. It doesn't, it's, it's, yeah, it, it's very it, tatty. It is. And uh, the, 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 the sort of quite a bit maybe to talk about, uh, about rock and roll. It, the context was a sort of 1950s rock and roll mm. revival that really had been going on, I suppose, since sort of late 73, 74, 75. Yeah. All that American graffiti American stuff graffiti, you know, Lennon had rock and roll music was, yeah. was, was out. So album. So weirdly, this cover is a sort of 1950s style. You know, it, you can see people, uh, someone's hands holding it and yes. sort of thumbs and there's a jukebox and there's a Coke bottle. Neon lighting. Neon and lights. And, stuff, and yeah. you know, Ring, Ringo made the point, uh, you know, this is we were not a 1950s band. Yeah, Ringo said, uh, it made us look cheap and we were never cheap. All that Coca-Cola and cars with big fins. It was the 50s. And Lennon said, it looked like a monkey's reject. Nothing uh, wrong with that there's, now. There's <laughs> <laughs> no more damning, uh, no yeah. more damning criticism. <laughs> well, Len- Lennon supposedly uh, said you should be using uh, photographs taken by Astrid, yes, uh, or Jürgen Vollmer in in Hamburg, uh, which is sort of the route that he took. Well, there they are the pictures on the cover yeah. of his rock and roll. Uh, his album. rock and roll. So he said, you know, there are plenty of black and white great photographs from that era. That's yeah. what you should be using. Or alternatively. I will design a cover for you. And I do love that thought that 1975 Lennon is getting ready. He's offering to design Beatle yeah. album covers. You yeah. know, that's that's a guy who's part of the Beatles. You know? Yeah. So he's they're, they're they're concerned. They're extremely concerned about the legacy and about what what uh, EMI or what the record company are doing. Um, and George Martin gets involved, though. George Martin gets involved. Um, the story is that uh, Capital present him with the album and he says, this is terrible. This sounds awful. Um, you're you're sort of doing, you know, you're using basic uh, stereo mixes yeah. that, that that aren't good. So he gets involved and he remixes mm. uh, the track list for the American release. Yeah. So he does that. Then the tapes that he's worked on come to the UK and uh, EMI or 
in the UK say we aren't using those because the Beatles were very clear. Yes. You have to use, if, if you're compiling anything, it has to be as the songs were originally yep. put out. So you've effectively then got two, two different, two versions of yeah. the album. You've got a, a, a unique set of mixes that Martin has done in the States and you've got the original uh, tracks from yeah. the UK, compiled in the UK. The covers are different yes. as well. Um, the UK is a kind of uh, green, pale green cover. The one in America is a, almost like a silver foil mm. cover. So they're they're quite quite different. And yet they sold a lot. They were hit albums, and there was a, a top ten. The Beatles went back into the top ten singles chart in the US as a as a result of this. The the single was due to be Helter Skelter, but there was a, a, a Manson family documentary on the television apparently at the time. So they flipped it and got to get you into my life. Went into the US top ten. And back in the USSR, went into the top 20 in the UK on the back of these albums, apparently. Yeah. Um, but yeah, again, it's 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 an album that, you know, came out, I think, on Music for Pleasure, eventually got re-released on the budget label in the UK, slightly differently and split up. Slightly differently. So it's split into two single albums. Yeah. It's got a different cover. Yes. Again. Uh, it's, it's, it's now a kind of a, a rendering of them, maybe from 64, 65. Yeah. And interestingly, the UK version uh, reverted to the American remixes that George oh, right. Martin had done. So there's effectively three versions and you need <laughs> to own them all. <laughs> Do we though? And then the next ones that kind of come out, we might look at them together, uh, are Love Songs in October 77, The Beatles Ballads in October 1980 and Real Music. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Music in October 1982 and... Uh, they all feature the sound of a, maybe a barrel being scraped. Love Songs comes out in October 67 and that's like the flip of rock and roll music. It's a top 30 album. It sells 2 million. It's 25 tracks. It's yeah. just more Beatles. For yes, no particular it's reason. just just randomly, uh, randomly compiled. I remember buying that as it yeah. was released and I don't think I played it more than once, maybe yeah. twice at the time and then it just went on the shelf. I mean, it, it, there's nothing there. There's nothing new there. And then three years later, a very similar album comes out, The Beatles Ballads in October 1980, which is 20 tracks. Ten of them are the same as the love songs and it also, just like love songs, it opens with Yesterday, Side 2 opens with Something. Yesterday is a terrible song to open an album it's with. A, yeah, that's <laughs> not a, good. That, that's, that's the song to end the album. With. Yeah, that's not like uh, George Martin always wanted a pot boiler to open the yes. album. It's not a pot no, boiler, yes, it's not. not a pot uh, boiler. Um, but then, you know, the Beatles ballad, it, ballads, it features, you know, well, what is a ballad? All My Loving is on that album, Can't Let It Be is on that album. It's just a slow song, but not even it's a slow song no. album. It's just a. Uh, random. Yes, it's just a bit of a random, again, a, a, a cash grab. Uh, the most interesting thing about the Beatles ballads is the cover, because that's a leftover drawing from a chap called uh, John Kelly, and it was apparently in the offing for being the cover of the White Album in 68. Yep. 
terrible cover. <laughs> uh, I'm, it I'm, is. I, for one, am very glad that was not. I, I can't uh, imagine used. that being presented as, "Hey guys, look at this awful cartoon of you looking like miserable little hobgoblins." Yeah, with Would animals. Like There's kind of little animals, yes. woodland creatures. <laughs> is it awful? I've uh, listened to the White Album intensely, and this and is this how is what it makes this is how it makes me feel. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, then we get into real music, which comes out in March 1982, and that's spelled R E E L music. Now, um, I'll put my hand up and say that was the first Beatles tape that I was given in the early 80s when I was last asked, what is Beatles? And I was what given this tape. I can I can put my hand up and say I don't own a copy. Well, well now I've won up on you. Yeah. Finally, for once, we can we can shut this down. <laughs> um, you know, real music is spelled R-E-E-L music because it's a, a compilation of greatest hits in chronological order of uh, songs from Beatle movies. Yeah. Why it needs to exist, I'm not exactly sure. It's the first Beatles release that comes out after the the death of John Lennon, and it, it just it just it, features yeah. one or two songs from each of their it, movies. It it coincides with the the re-release, theatrical re-release of a hard, hard day's, day's night. night. So I mean, true. that's the only justification. But I'm not even sure if that was intentional. That's uh, that might even be. Ac- I'm not. I'm not sure mm. if they were really intending to put it together because it also the other thing that was happening in cinemas was also the complete Beatles documentary was hitting yes. cinemas in in May 1982. Uh, so there was a there was some Beatles activity, and I think there was probably a a re a rethinking of what it meant to be uh, a fan of the Beatles in the aftermath of John Lennon's death, yeah. because they essentially became a band that could not uh, reform. And, and we can't we can't leave that album without talking about the single. Well, I'm coming on to that. I'm trying to steal myself for discussing the single that we all know and love which is called uh, the Beatles movie medley yes and this is <laughs> this is I, I, I can think of anything that might have enraged Apple or George and yeah. Yoko and Paul and Ringo more would have been the Beatles movie medley which is a for people who don't remember I certainly remember as a kid the stars, stars on 45, on 45 yeah. uh, which were these kind of mega mixes of singles in the early 80s where uh, session players would play these kind of four minute songs with about you know eight different tracks I think there was a Motown one and there was a rock and roll one and they'd be just songs linked together and um it's very tawdry that the Beatles jump on a it's Stars on 45 bandwagon. But it, it's it's not even well done. No, no, it's <laughs> not. I don't have this single, um, but I, oh, yeah, I, I do. do. You do. Oh, you I do. do. It's even the transitions between the songs. Yes. Uh, the seven songs. You've got Magical Mystery Tour. All you need is love. Yeah. You've got to hide your love away. I should have known better. Hard Day's Night. Ticket to Ride and Get Back. Yes. Um, and they just it, segue from one to another just, in the most they, yeah, lumpen way possible. Random way possible. This is not a kind of Giles Martin love remix. No. There is no care taken with this. Like the whole point on Stars in 45 was to fill the dance floor and to get that your toes it. a-tappen. Your toes wouldn't a-tap to this. No. Um, but did you know that there seems to be an official video for this song? I didn't know that. I, can we can we find it on YouTube and link to it? It's, is it, is it's it difficult to find on YouTube. I found it, and this is always a dodgy thing to do. I went looking for it on YouTube and the guy on YouTube had it in a Google Files link in his YouTube <laughs> description <laughs> box, you in. which is always like, oh my God, what sort of horrible, you know, am I going to go on some kind of watch list if I click this? But it is a video um, which features the aforementioned songs that you mentioned, and it, it starts with a little animation of the Beatles Real Music cinema logo kind of unfurling yeah. and spilling out, and then that plays in reverse at the end. There's a tiny little 
uh, there, there, there's clips that match each of the movies that these things are from, including the All You Need Is Love, Your World performance cut in with Yellow Submarine. And then there's a little colour snippet at the end, and I was trying to figure out where this was from, of the Beatles sitting in a private movie theatre kind of clapping and applauding. And I think it might be from promotional materials for the Yellow Submarine okay. film. Mm. And so the, the, the premise is the Beatles have been watching themselves on a movie screen and then they clap and applaud and then the thing ends. But it does classy, seem to be... classy. An official video, yeah, but it's 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 a terrible. Um, it's 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 not something that has stood the test of time. And and it, but you have the seven-inch single. I have the seven-inch single, but um, not the version. Not that the, is the not rare the, version. Not the rare version. I can see where you're looking at this. Yeah. There's a rare version with an interview on the B side. Yeah, and that interview is now on YouTube. If you want yeah, to hear so it. the interview that was pulled at the last minute, yeah. and again, just randomly, I'm happy just to dance with you was the B side. So if yes. you, if you find a. A single in a second-hand shop or with a creative interview vinyl the with the interview, that's the one. And to quit have. your job. <laughs> no, 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 no. Buy it and send it, send it to us. Uh, yes, that is true as a, as a gift. Um, these, these, these compilations have disappeared. Rock and roll music, love songs, Beatles ballads, real music, they, they, they've disappeared. Uh, but there was one more compilation that is interesting that came out at the end of October 1982, uh, the 11th of October in the UK, the 18th in the US, and it's 20 greatest hits. Yeah. And it's... It's it's almost the end of this kind of EMI controlling era, sort of. Um, it corresponds with the 20th anniversary of Love Me Do. And in the UK, anyway, in the 80s, there were these series of singles. It was 20 years ago today where all the singles would come out on the 20th anniversary. How long ago was that now? Uh, 20 years. It's, it's over 20, more than 20 20th anniversary. It's, 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 yes. Um, and Love Me Do did go to the top 10 in the UK in October uh, 1982. Um, but what's interesting about 20 Greatest Hits, it, 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 it's a prototype version of the album we will talk about later, which is The Beatles 1. Yeah. It's literally, this isn't a themed compilation. This isn't a Bells and Whistles compilation. This is just the hits. And it's tailored differently for different markets around the world. Um, and the, the other thing that's kind of interesting about it is, uh, if you look at the, the Red and Blue albums and you look at 20 Greatest Hits and you look at the Beatles 1, they're all kind of tailored for the medium of the day. Yes. Red and Blue are very much kind of vinyl, vinyl artifacts. Yep. 20 Greatest Hits is like, here's the cassette for your Walkman. And 1 basically is like, here's everything on ACD. Yeah. Um, and it also comes out more or less simultaneously, almost simultaneously with the John Lennon collection, which was his first posthumous Greatest Hits. Um, uh, and so it's, uh, on the UK, there's... Um, 19 tracks from 17 UK number ones plus Love Me Do. The US version is slightly different. It drops from Me To You, Day Tripper, Yellow Submarine, Eleanor Rigby and Lady Madonna and The Ballad of John Yoko for a couple of other different US-led tracks. You get Yesterday, Eight Days a Week, Penny Lane, Come Together, Let It Be, The Long and Winding Road. Um, but it, it does sort of make sense. It's it does, a, and collect them all. <laughs> you can collect them all. And I, I, again, it's another one of these things that I remember somebody lending me in school. So it's probably the first place I heard uh, Lady Madonna, I think. Um, so um, I'm kind of fond for it for that reason. There's a, a version that comes out a little bit later in Australia the following year that even more closely approaches one, which is a 23-track compilation in almost the same packaging, but it's called The Number Ones. And uh, it's the only version of all these international versions that uh, fits something onto it as well. And I, I, I don't think Greatest Hits charted particularly well. No. It you did. know, so it, it, it whether it was just fatigue yeah you know by this stage we'd had half a dozen different yes. compilations and maybe there was a sense that we don't you need know, this. we don't need this that we are milking it um 
uh, but but it just didn't seem to get any any traction. Yeah, and Australia had already done its own Beatle compilations in the early seventies called the Essential Beatles, which you know you can look up yourself on Wikipedia. Before we get into the CD era, which kind of changes everything, mm. there's one or two more outliers. There's a well, only the Beatles, which is a cassette compilation, a very odd thing in nineteen eighty six. This is from Heineken. Yeah, it's a commercial uh, save four ring pulls, send us a fiver, and you get uh, a Beatles you, compilation. You get a cassette. Yeah, 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 yeah. You I have one of I these. I have a copy of that. Good. I didn't. I didn't. I have to say, send <laughs> off the ring pulls. Uh, I, I think. I think I saw it in a record fair. Didn't know what it was. Assumed it was an unofficial. Yeah. Uh, uh, thing, but bought it anyway. Um, People get excited about this because that stereo '60s mix of this boy turns up on that. Ter- yeah, I was going to say that's. Uh, it was only after I bought it that I learned. Oh, there's something unique. Yeah. Uh, uh, on this, um, but it's not hugely valuable. If you see one, no, uh, I haven't been able to retire yet. No, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's a nice thing to have. <laughs> it is uh, a nice thing to have. And there are a vinyl, or no, there's a CD copy of a copy of a bootleg version that you can pick up as well. But that's totally unofficial. Um, but then the CD changes every. And, uh, you know, the Beatles, as I remember, I vividly remember the Beatles coming out on CD in 1987 and CD was pretty much established by then. Everyone was asking, almost like they would do with iTunes a little while later, where are the Beatles? That was that was quite a talking point. The, yeah. the, the, the Beatles were very slow to yes. adopt that technology. And, and what they do with the CD is they shut down basically every, m- more or less every yeah. version of every album around the world and they yeah. release the CDs and say, these are the albums as they are released. This is the canon. These are the records. And But within that 1987 CD release, they they don't necessarily put out a greatest hits, but they do put out Past Masters, Masters, Volume 1 and 2, which is kind of counts, does it? It's not really... You wouldn't recommend it it to someone as a greatest hits. It's not, no. I mean, you know, I think it's the the, the first volume in in particular, it's sort of... B-sides and it doesn't doesn't have a a flow to it. I think uh, Past Masters 2 is a much uh, more listenable... Uh, compilation. I, I, I for one, uh, regret uh, this standardization of... Um, do you? I do. Why? Um, because up to this point, I mean, I remember uh, having compilations that came from... Uh, there was a gold vinyl mm-hmm. uh, Dutch album that I had that has disappeared at, uh, at some point, but there was slightly different variants. So there was like a four-beat uh, intro to And I Love Her. Okay. Uh, there was a compilation that had a slightly different mix of I Am The Walrus. So you had mm-hmm. all of these, you know, in different uh, jurisdictions, yes. you, you, you had these different uh, mixes and, and, and slightly different takes yes. in, in some cases. Um, it's particularly sort of America, you know, yesterday and today has different mixes of the tracks that yeah. turned up on Revolver. So, but suddenly the Apple or EMI or the Beatles and their wisdom have decided, no, we're going to iron out all of these little kind of interesting mm-hmm. variations and we're just going to standardize yeah. uh, everything. Well, that, that creates the need for Past Masters Volume 1 yeah. and 2 then because yeah, yeah, exactly. uh, there's all these tracks that are standalone singles and EP tracks and all the rest and they fill up these two CDs, but Past Masters Volumes 1 and 2 still has 12 uh, number ones, 11 UK number ones plus Let It Be from uh, the US. And I, I'm awfully fond of volume two because I think it's great, but it's not a greatest hits and it wouldn't do no. as a greatest hits. The other kind of interesting postscript from 1998, which is an album, 1988, pardon me, which is an album that's forgotten is the Imagine John Lennon soundtrack, which is a CD full of essentially, uh, you know, a bunch of Lennon hits and a bunch of Beatles hits mm-hmm. all on one soundtrack. And that's and, and uh, Real Love. And Real Love, the original yeah. version of Real Love. Um, um, so that's an unusual outlier where you get Beatles tracks on CDs. But if the CD changes anything, th- then the lawyers change things next because Paul and Ringo and Yoko uh, put down their arms against Paul and then Paul 
Yoko, Ringo, George put down their arms against DMI and we have this kind of new detente organisation in the early 90s that eventually gives us the anthology. But the first thing that they do is they put out in 1993, good old red and blue again, 1962, 66, 67, 70 on CD. And uh, I remember these being advertised on television quite heavily at the time. They sold quite well. And they were in these big, massive, thick red and blue boxes. And I think that that that. Again, there was a, there was a bit of a backlash because they're quite short. Yes, well, certainly the red would have fitted. Yeah, on one would CD. have fitted on one CD. So there was this idea: well, did they have to be on two CD? You could have put them. You know, yeah. you could have halved the price or cut the price anyway. So yes. there was a little bit of, of 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 a backlash there. But again, I suspect served the same function for the next generation or a couple of generations. Yes. And I mean, you're, you're five or six years now of the Beatles on CD. There'd been no Beatles greatest hits on CD. This is the first non-core Beatles CD yeah. album that we see. And considering the craziness we talked about earlier on with love songs and ballads yeah. and all this, you know, these CDs are tightly controlled. There's an aesthetic. There's a model of how they're going to come out. Yeah, I mean, I assume, I assume this is simply they realised that those two albums in 73 were the platform yes. that kept... The delivering. kept delivering, yeah. so they thought, well, we can replicate this yeah. uh, g- going going forward. But it, it, it opens the door for Beatles product being released. So you get your Life of the BBC, you get your anthologies, but then we don't get another compilation till September 1999, which is the Yellow Submarine soundtrack. It's hard to believe this is 20 years old, yes. actually, after yeah. when I was looking at this. Yeah. And I don't know, was it something that anybody was calling for? It always feels to me that the Beatles and later the Beatles Incorporated never felt they released the Yellow Submarine songs in the correct Manner that they were never really happy either with the official album from '69, or you know how it was, yeah, how it should have come out. I, I think that's right, but I think I think I always saw this as a little bit of a testing the water for yeah. remixing. Okay, so it is the first time they remix yeah. the tracks, and they're great mixes. They are great mixes. So I I, I think uh, there's there's that twofold motivation. There's the the uh, film is coming out. Uh, there are songs that weren't mm-hmm. on the album originally. Yeah. You've got that second side of George Martin, which is perfectly fine, but it's not Beatle product. Yes. So there was the opportunity was there, and I think it was a sort of soft launch yes. of the remix uh, yes. proposal. You know how how will people and if there had been a backlash. I think that might have stopped it in its tracks. But I think it was a soft launch of that. This is the next stage of where we're going with the Beatles. We're going to remix uh, tracks. And as a Beatle fan at the time, it was always very softly, softly. So Neil Aspinall was running Apple at the time. Mm-hmm. And he was very much of the feeling that you don't flood the market. You don't put out loads of yeah. different Beatles albums that, the you know, we keep a tight control over what comes out. And we, we don't put out anything that's totally unnecessary. But yet, if you look at the original Yellow Submarine album, you know, the movie came out in July 68. The album didn't come out till January 69. So it didn't even come out the same Mm. time as the movie. The Beatles at the time discussed, should we have taken these four songs and put them on an EP? EP, There's a mono mix uh, that don't, they don't come out till 2009, but they're super mono mixes, but they never released that EP and they just, they just moved on. Um, But the Yellow Submarine soundtrack does have the first true stereo remix of Only a Northern Song and it features every track bar one from the movie, which was uh, A Day in the Life. Oh. Because otherwise... A chunk yes. of Sergeant Pepper uh, yeah. would have been on that yeah. record. Um, so, yeah, you're right. That is a testing of the water because what happens next, just over a year later, and this is kind of the last big thing that we need to talk about, is in uh, on the 13th of November 2000, they release one. And everybody knows this compilation. And once again, their timing is kind of immaculate because yeah. it comes out right before the CD and the music sales market collapses. And one is a very interesting thing because it's now 19, heading for 20 years old. And Beatles One becomes almost a brand in itself. And looking up stuff before we came in here today, I'm, I, c- I keep 
being surprised at how successful this album was. Yeah. I, I yeah. mean, it's it's ridiculous. So I'm going to read out some stats here. First of all, one is, you know, it was advertised with the tagline, 27 number one singles equals one. It was purely just the number one songs all on one CD, which just happened to fit uh, onto a CD at 78 minutes and 39 seconds. Um, it was the biggest selling album worldwide in uh, the noughties, the decade of the noughties. It has sold 31 million copies to date. It sold 2 million copies in its first 11 weeks in the UK. It was number one there for nine weeks. It was number one in 35 countries, including the USA. Um, it's still in the top 50, uh, the last time I checked, about a week ago, in the US and in the UK. Um, as I said, best selling album in the uh, in the north in the US and in the world. Um, and, and that does kind of baffle me because it's somewhat on a, you know, it, it's, it's, it's somewhat unassuming greatest hits it's just like here's one CD here's the hits the Beatles aren't even on the cover of the CD but it was a very clever uh, marketing campaign uh, and it came out in a a series of different formats Mm mm-hmm um, so, you know, it, the, it, it had a vinyl release. It had a CD release. Yeah. Um, it, it's the one-stop shop. Yes, and it's the CD version of sixty-two. Six. It's it's kind of it's designed for it, CD. I think it's designed to replace. Yeah. That. Yes. Uh, there are a couple of omissions mm-hmm. um, that that don't quite then. You know, it sort of leaves it not quite. So you don't have strawberry fields. No. But it wasn't a number one, Steve. It wasn't a number it hasn't one. Hasn't earned its place. Uh, and please, please me. <laughs> Yes, where you can debate. You can debate that. So, right, yeah. so again, if if your your sort of strawberry fields, I think, is the big omission, and okay, it doesn't meet the criteria. I'm mm-hmm. sure it was number one somewhere in the world. But this is the thing: it positions itself as number ones. It, it, yeah. It's not saying this is the best of. It's not saying this is the greatest hits. It's not saying you know this is the essential Beatles. It's saying these are the number mm. ones, and it actually started a trend because there's a bunch of albums that come out in the aftermath of this from. Elvis and the Bee Gees and Michael Jackson and Mariah Carey all called some version of number ones. These are our number one hits. There's not yeah. a lot of people who could fill a CD with no, number ones. No, um, but it's uh, yeah, it's 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 curious to me because I don't, I, I I don't recall seeing it in other people's houses, but it's sold on it, these it's copies. You know, the, it's it's hitting hit them away somewhere. They're just in uh, glove boxes around the world. You know. Um, but it comes out in 2000, and this is the last Beatles project in George's George Harrison's yeah. lifetime. And, you know, we haven't had a greatest hits since. It's become the kind of the, the as I said, a brand onto itself, like a legacy greatest hits. And what's interesting is in 2015, the reissue of one is a curtain raiser to what we're experiencing now with the Beatles because uh, the 2015 version features the songs remixed yeah. uh, by, you know, it's, it's Hello to Giles Martin remixing the Beatles songs. It comes out with a Blu-ray or a DVD of remastered films and a, you know, further bonus 23 remastered films on the expanded edition. And this is a shift away from Neil Aspinall's Apple, Apple into the chap Jeff Jones, who runs Apple now, where we're trying to, I don't want to use a very dry word like commodify, but it's like a version of saying, well, let's give it, put a decent package together and let's be on message with what's going on. I think they're very conscious of selling the brand mm-hmm. to, to successive generations. Yeah. Um, so not so much, you know, so they've, they've, uh, sort of, uh, improved the sound, mm. uh, by, by the remixing. You've got a Blu-ray, you've got, uh, those, those promotional films pulled together at that stage. You could buy, uh, I think there was a, a 
CD version which had a DVD attached to it which came in a yellow sleeve with, yeah. a, with a red number one you had a red background with a yellow number yeah. one for the you could buy the it in any way you wanted you, it was a very uh, yeah flexible yeah. Uh, approach so it was for the hardcore fan who's going to buy everything it was for the sort of just dipping in but what we got to see was these fantastically remastered uh, film clips we got surround sound on the Beatles yep. for almost the first time we haven't talked about love today I think that's outside the scope of this um, but now we are seeing these Sgt. Pepper boxes and these White Album boxes with Blu-rays, surround sound, remixed from the original stand. Like th- this, this one project is the first time we see that. Yeah. And it kind of tells us there's no need for another Greatest Hits. Really. No, I don't think so. And in, in, in a sort of a streaming age, yeah. you know, pe- people are going to put together their own Greatest Hits. And again, I think it's this idea of it's testing the water. Yes. It's, it's what do people want? Uh, when when the White Album, when Sgt. Pepper boxes come out, you can buy the box, you can buy the LP, you can yes. buy a single LP, you can buy a CD. You can it, it it's the, the there's the options are there. But it's worth buying the full version of one, which is kind of officially called One Plus, because you get Ringo's fantastic uh, S- Strawberry Fields Forever um, commentary. commentary. <laughs> well, but, yeah, <laughs> where yeah. he sits in front of a screen and sort of goes, hey, I, there I am on a horse. Yeah, <laughs> we're having some tea. But yes. To be, to be fair, you know, in Ringo's defense, Paul is there as well. Paul's not really <laughs> contributing. No, much, he's not much doing much either. either. Um, and the interesting thing is the two, the two uh, post anthology or the two anthology singles are remixed as well. That is true, actually. Yeah. So there's the, 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 there's almost a complete they sound totally different. Yeah. Free as a bird and real love. On the, they're on the expanded DVD. They're not on the CD. So if you'd have to, it's I, a, I believe people could rip that uh, uh, DVD I, I, and I, take the songs and burn it onto a CD. But home taping is killing music. It Stephen, is killing. And I wouldn't music. recommend you doing wouldn't that recommend kind of thing. No. No, I think but but it is worth. They are worth hearing. And yes. they're, they're, they're uh, for my money, they are much improved. I think they're much improved. Particularly, real love sounds sensational in that kind of new mix. I, I really really like it. And the different different vocal. Uh, yes, they've changed George's yeah, vocal th- for some reason. Yeah. I don't know why. I mean, I would be very interested. To, to, to know what the story is there. Mm. Why, why did they decide to use a different, I mean, presumably it's a completely different vocal take. And I do believe that even though Charles Martin was involved in the remixing, that good old Jeff Lynne was involved in re- repurposing these two tracks that he was involved with originally. These, so these it wasn't remixed by Charles Martin. No, I but these, 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 these to me sound lef, less Jeff Lynne-y. But they're still great. But they're still, <laughs> they're still yeah. great. The other thing is the little backwards bit of John at the end of Free as a Bird yeah. is now flipped forwards. Yeah. So that's how you can tell the difference, folks. So there's one tiny little compilation that will comes out right at the end because we've talked about how compilations have reflected vinyl and uh, cassette and CD. But then in 2010, the Beatles finally arrive on iTunes. And there's a compilation that comes out just on iTunes in July 2012 called Tomorrow Never Knows, which is uh, sort of labels itself as influential Beatle rock songs. It's uh, it's very much focuses on 60 to 68 um, but even on its iTunes downloads only it makes the UK album charts at 44 mm. and the US album charts at 24 so it does come out as a, a Beatles compilation and uh, you know it's 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 an alright uh, it's okay it's thing. odd there's some odd odd tracks on there yeah well, um, y- y- you know it opens with um, Revolution doesn't it yeah uh, I mean George fan as I am, yeah. I wouldn't put Savoy Truffle as as, as hard rock and Beatles track. Well, uh, you know, as one of his most in influential tracks, yeah. I, d- I don't know. Um, it does have "It's All Too Much," which is yes. you know a, a fantastic track. But uh, it's just an odd. Uh, you know, I like it. I like the tracks that are there, but I think the criteria that they set themselves this is not necessarily yeah. uh, what you would. Uh, 
I did wonder would we see more of this kind of thing on iTunes and uh, you know we didn't really see because it has a you know it has sort of a defined cover and an existence so I know people can share playlists yeah. like, whatever they want and we will put up some playlists related to this episode today um, but you know it's the kind of thing that it'd be nice if they put it out on vinyl for record store day or something like this except oh. it has been released on vinyl really How? yes yes well I have seen a copy okay um, so I think it was maybe uh, ver- I, I think it was I was going to say it was a promotional, mm-hmm. uh, but I actually think it had a limited vinyl release. I mean, very, very small numbers. And yeah. I was in a secondhand record shop in England, and there was a copy of it there for, I think the price tag was about 400 £450. Pounds. So you put it back? I just set it back. <laughs> I know you want me to say, and, and I have it one here. Today. I brought it with me today so that you can see. Um, <laughs> so I think, I think it did have that very, very limited uh, um, release but I mean I, I, I can hold my hand up and say I don't really understand the appeal of mm. the iTunes list you know does someone go on see that list and think oh I'll hit the button and buy that because there are 14 songs yes. uh, that I'm, I must people, have people did though it's a generational we, we thing. don't understand no just I just don't understand what the young people are doing well I, I, I that reminds me I was one of the first people in the world to buy one because I actually queued outside HMV Oxford Street to buy one back in November and I got a little certificate that told me um, that told me yes you're one of the first I think I was the excellent 18th person in the world to do buy you have, one do you have that certificate with you can we put the, put a copy I'll up? put a copy up because it's 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 uh, I actually bought a vinyl copy of one at the time which I never played because I didn't I, I was in CD world back in 2000 but I kept this but vinyl copy you had to cert, have it. but I knew I had to have knew it, had to, have it. Uh, to prove my Beatle credentials so I'll put up some pictures of I that I can't that. I don't I don't have a certificate <laughs> for buying records so on that uh, on that bombshell I think we've covered <laughs> mainly uh, most of the the main Beatle compilations but it is interesting how they tell a story over the years of their influence you know how they're controlling the narrative, how the record company is controlling the narrative, how it kind of moves around a little bit and uh, yeah, it's almost and come and full circle. And how Apple has a, has changed. Yes. So having having sort of wrested control back from yes. EMI with the kind of fairly shabby uh, reel-to-reel or reel music, etc., then mm. suddenly uh, Apple are very actively, you know, they're, they're, there's method there. Yeah. You and, know, they're, they're, they're and how they've come to define how yeah. to manage, as I've said before, a band that simultaneously exists and, and doesn't exist. All right. Well, look, if uh, if you want to get in touch with us and talk about Apple or any kind of Beatle compilations, we're available in all the usual places. Look for the Nothing Is Real uh, Facebook group and ask for an invite there. We're on Twitter at Beatles Pod. And, um, you know, if you haven't subscribed already, please subscribe. We would love some reviews, positive reviews. Um, Apple isn't taking any negative reviews right now for some reason, but we'll take any positive <laughs> reviews that you can give us um, uh, on iTunes or whatever um, podcast uh, platform that you use. And... Um, But uh, until the next time, my name is Jason Carty. My name is Stephen Cockroft. And this has been Nothing Is Real. Thank you for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Thanks for listening to Nothing Is Real. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, why not become a member? You'll get access to ad-free content, bonus episodes, and so much more. Follow the link in the show notes, sign up on ACAST Plus, or visit our website, nothingisrealpod.com.